Welcome, teacher friend. I'm Lori. And I'm Melissa. We are two literacy educators in Baltimore. We want the best for all kids, and we know you do too. Our district recently adopted a new literacy curriculum, which meant a lot of change for everyone. Lori and I can't wait to keep learning about literacy with you today. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Melissa and Lori Love Literacy literacy podcast. This is a bonus episode with just Lori and Melissa because we are preparing everyone for our podcast that is coming soon on the writing revolution. So today we have a book talk, a book chat. We haven't really landed on a name yet (laughs) about (laughs) the writing revolution. And Melissa, I know you love the writing revolution as much as I do. I'm so excited to talk about it today. (laughs) I do. I do. I love the writing revolution. I loved our podcast with the author so exciting. So Judith Hockman and Natalie Wexler in our next episode, which is so, so fun. Um, but yeah, the writing revolution I, I've been familiar with. I never got to actually use it in the classroom, but I've been familiar with it for a few years. Um, and now I've been using it in a little bit of writing of curriculum. So that's exciting. And it's it's wonderful. People are talking about it everywhere. <laughs> People are talking about it everywhere, so including our good friends, David and Meredith Lieben, <laughs> who yeah. are quoted on the inside cover of the book. So I know we're going to read a quote from them to kick off the writing revolution conversation. And, and just to set the stage for everyone listening, today we're going to do a book talk on the writing revolution, but we're really going to focus on the introduction and chapter one. And hopefully that will whet your appetite enough to go ahead and read the rest of the book on your own, which we can't say enough good things about, but we didn't want to give the whole book away. <laughs> right. Or our podcast. We didn't want to give our podcast away either. <laughs> exactly. We don't want to give the podcast away. 100%. Yeah. All right. So our good friends. Melissa, would you like to read the quote? Yes. I was just about to say our good friends, David and Meredith, we've had both on. <laughs> um and we, I, I know their, their book, No Better, Do Better, I, lo- I always say I love it because they talk about their experience um, in, with their school that they, they, I think David was the principal. I'm not sure exactly what Meredith did, but they talk about their experience at that school and leading that school. And um, this, this quote does too. So they were using some of this, this method even before this book came out, which is really fun. So it says, the practices and approach laid really out within cool. these covers work. We had the good fortune to discover Dr. Hockman's approach in 1988 through our son, who was her student at Windward. Such a small world. (laughs) Since then, we've taught writing (laughs) using the Hockman method to elementary school reluctant writers in Harlem. Adolescents studying the trades in Vermont, community college students struggling to put words to paper, and to hundreds of teachers baffled by how to improve their students' writing. We celebrate the arrival of this lucid guide to make every student an articulate, confident writer. We also celebrate it to make every student an articulate, confident writer. I can't imagine any teacher thinking anything else. And I know that I'm grateful as an educator to have this guide to to build my own knowledge, but also to help my own daughter. So this is so exciting. And I think this conversation that we, you know, that we have with Natalie and Judith is really important in helping teachers have a big picture understanding of the writing revolution. So I'm really excited to talk about it today. Yeah, me too. And, and the importance of writing, you know, we talk so much about the importance of reading 
all the time. Um, mm-hmm. And and the struggle like that we see with how many students are not reading at grade level. Um, but they even start their book with the you know, nationwide data that only about 25% of students are scoring at proficient level in writing. Um, and, it, it, you know, writing is so important in the world and jobs and just every day, writing emails, everything. <laughs> yeah, everything. Um, it's, yeah, exactly. It's funny because I feel like uh, Presley's always aware of, since she learned about your, your, and your, she's very aware and there, there, and there about, you know, which, which version to use <laughs> in writing. And it's, if she's messaging friends, she's always very aware that she's using the right one. And I think that awareness is really important. And I, what I, what stands out to me about the writing revolution is that it helps bring an awareness to writing for students. And so that 25% can hopefully become 100%. I know that's our goal. And you know, for reading and writing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I know in the introduction, the introduction is titled how to lead a writing revolution in your classroom and why you need one. Love the introduction title because it's, we're just, we're going on a revolution right from the start. (laughs) And um, I think they lay out the problem really nicely and it resonates with me very much. I think it resonates with you too, as a former middle school teacher, the problem being assigning writing, but not teaching it. And oh, I remember doing that. And if I had had the tools at the time to be able to teach it even better than I think that I tried to do, <laughs> uh, it would have made all the difference for my students. And Melissa, I'm wondering what what you're thinking. Yeah, well, I'm, I don't want to get too deep into it because we do talk about this on the podcast a bit with with we Judith do. and Natalie. Um, but but I do think that's very common, right? Is that we see, okay, well, the, the kids are writing because I'm assigning these writing tasks, but you know, not actually having the instruction, right? There's a lot of like feedback after, right? That's why you end up with those the writing covered in red pen, right? And, you know, <laughs> poor students that are like, oh no, right? But, um, you know, thinking about the before a little bit more, how do we get them there instead of assigning a task and then going all in on giving feedback, which usually is not the best way of improving writing? <laughs> sure. You know, I think about this, I, I know Natalie, uh, I believe Natalie talks about this very clearly and outlines the steps. Um, but I think about it in two big buckets as I, you know, I'm looking on page three and reading page three. Um, I think about it in terms of explicit writing instruction and content that students need knowledge building to be able to write about. Um, and I think that if either one falls short, then that's where students struggle to read. And and I think about myself as an adult, that's where I have trouble. You know, my, my, I always think about it. Like when do my fingers on the keyboard feel like they don't have anything more to say? <laughs> and it's either one of those two things, either I'm having trouble structuring what I'm saying and, and mm-hmm. knowing how to do what I need to do, or I don't have anything to write about and I need to learn more about what I'm writing about. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think back to my own. I don't even know if I was explicitly taught how to write or not, or if it, you know, they were lessons I learned just because I learned them. I don't even know. I know. I'd have to really I think, think I taught. I think that. I taught myself when I reflect back on it. I loved yeah. to read, and I think I read so much that I had that content piece. Yeah. Uh, in most things, and then I went could could structure. I think 
I taught myself and I think my parents helped me a whole lot. And I actually know I wasn't, I was or going into college, I wasn't the strongest writer. Like I know I needed support in college, but that's the first time I heard it. Right. Like I, I wasn't told before that, that I wasn't a strong writer ever. Like yeah. I always did well on assignments in high school, middle school, you know, but when I got to college, it was like, hang on, <laughs> you need a little help here. Um, and that was the first time I actually like really looked at the, how I was structuring my writing and how to improve structuring writing was in college. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's when I realized I learned how to write in high school a little bit with my parents' help. And I think things here and there, like like in English class. Yeah, Yeah, in English class, I remember doing um, some outlines and things like that. Right, right. But actually expanding on topics and having enough to say to write a 20-page paper, I kind of feel like college is where it kind of hits you in the face. (laughs) I agree. I agree. (laughs) You're like, oh, I either get it or I don't and I need to figure it out or... I may not. But, and man, I think our hope nice is that kids get that way before yeah. college, <laughs> way before career, way before college. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And I think that the the next pages kind of yeah. help us do that, right? How to teach reading yeah. and, or, or teaching. Well, right. And before we get into the like how, I love the part that comes next after the problem, which is like that this writing can actually help beyond just writing, right? That it's mm-hmm. if you improve students writing there's like more benefits than that. So they, they go into, you know, you can, you as a teacher can identify gaps in their reading comprehension if they're writing about something they've read. Right. Mm -hmm. So like there's a benefit for the teacher. Um, I like to think of that like a, like a twofer, you know, two for one (laughs) bonus, no time. (laughs) Two for one. (laughs) Yeah. It boosts reading comprehension, which we talk about on the podcast a bit, and especially around syntax, right? If they Mm -hmm. know how to create these longer sentences, then they're going to know how to read longer sentences. Mm -hmm. I found that part especially fascinating. It's, I think it was so awesome to hear the authors themselves talk about that part. So Mm -hmm. be on the lookout when you listen to the podcast on Friday. Yeah. And then the other skills it just talks about you know, enhancing or improving is your speaking abilities, your organizational and study skills and your analytical capabilities. So Mm -hmm. lots of benefits from improving writing instruction. Well, not just writing instruction, improving writing for students. (laughs) Yeah, that's I think that reciprocity is what sticks with me too. And I wrote it in the margin on page four. It's reciprocal. You know, it goes, it's writing, speaking, reading all go together, which I know that we all know, but it is even more evident when we're talking about um, this specific approach or the specific mindset, because that content is so baked in that the reading is really important, especially if, I mean, there are curricula out there that are completely separate. And so Mm -hmm. that's where I think lots of disconnects happen. And I think the really high quality curricula have this method that is Uh, intertwined and everything is reciprocal. Yeah. And I think it's important too, because we know that time is like the biggest, you know, thing out there that teachers like, I don't have time. I don't have time for that. Um, And you can easily say, I don't have time to teach writing explicitly. Right. But to know that if you are doing that, it has these other benefits. Right. So it's not like, oh, I'm teaching writing alone, but they will, you will see that in reading as well. So Lots of benefits. Lots of benefits. (laughs) Yeah. 
So let's talk about the principles of the writing revolution. There are These six. Are my favorite. And we talk about <laughs> them in the podcast. <laughs> yeah, um, we don't we don't like lay them out in the podcast. So I think this will be really helpful for people who are listening because it's not like we go through the six, but yep. it's like woven throughout the whole discussion. So if you know these six going into our podcast with the authors, you'll be like, oh, yeah, there's there's that one. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I exactly. think this will be really helpful. I'll start with number one. (laughs) Students need explicit instruction in writing beginning in the early elementary grades. Love that. Please don't wait till third grade to teach writing. (laughs) Obviously, let's let's start early. Let's just like, (laughs) you know, let's teach them early explicitly how to write. And again, that goes hand in hand with having something to write about. (laughs) And I've seen a lot on social media lately where, you know, again, Writing revolution comes up a lot on social media, um, but I have seen a lot of people lately who are like, well, but I need something for early elementary K2 because the writing revolutions for when they get older. Um, and that makes me a little nervous <laughs> Yeah, because <laughs> because, because of principle number one, <laughs> which says it needs to start in early elementary. And I would mm-hmm. hate for people to just like put this whole book aside because they teach K2. So I put, I'm going to put this to you, Lori. Um, my elementary counterpart, uh, <laughs> like if they're still learning to write their letters, for instance, or write a word or write a sentence, how do you see implementing Like, how, how can you implement this still? Yeah, that's a really good question. Well, I'd love to hear from our listeners what they think about that, but <laughs> I'm, I'm drawn to a quote from the book. That says, um, students who can speak coherently often write incoherently. Far too many students write the way they speak using simple or rambling sentences or fragments. And I think in the primary grades, sometimes we do a lot of oral communication and not enough writing communication. And so I think that the more that students can practice communicating and writing and then notice the differences... Oh, I'm, I would say it this way, but oh, I'm going to write it this way. And why are we doing that? That's that's what they're talking about here is that. And then teachers are explicitly sharing and teaching why we're doing it differently in writing versus, you know, orally. And that I think just noticing and making sure that we explicitly share why we're doing it differently is really important in those primary grades because Kids find that fascinating. <laughs> you know, kids think that is, uh, you're, you're going to light their world on fire by sharing, oh, sometimes we say it this way, but when we write it, we do it this way. And here's why. Awesome. <laughs> I just, I love thinking about their faces taking that in right now. <laughs> I was just thinking, I know that a lot of the um, sentence work in chapter one that we'll talk about starts with oral. Like, couldn't that be, could that be something that you've practiced that like, I'm, I, I know, what you, I hear what you're saying that like, we generally, when we're speaking, don't necessarily use like these complex sentences, but couldn't we start to get students in those younger grades to start forming those sentences, like forming a full sentence and forming a more complex sentence orally oh, of course. before, of course like, we, yeah, we can call, we call that oral rehearsal. Absolutely. They can do that. They can have that oral rehearsal you know, as a whole class, as the, with the teacher modeling, with a partner, I mean, there's all mm-hmm. kinds of ways you could do that. And that is yeah. 
a great way to get them practicing orally what they're then going to do on paper. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And I'm just thinking for the youngest, youngest grades, because like I'm thinking of, I have Kristen Poppins kindergarten class in my mind right now who like, I, I'm sure they're not writing too, too much, especially at the beginning of the year, but sure. they could definitely be saying these things aloud. Right. And so I think it's a really great starting place is to start the oral, yeah. like build up their oral skills so that they have that to transfer to their writing. Absolutely. And what stuck out to me here talking about principle one is a, a, another quote that I'll read. It says, um, if we assign only stories, journal entries and poems in the early grades, we're wasting precious time. Although it's certainly possible to teach expository writing skills to older students, it's much easier to begin the process in elementary school. Elementary students can practice their spelling and vocabulary words by writing original sentences, and they can acquire knowledge by developing questions about what they're reading. So I'm thinking about all of this, the teachers who are listening right now, shared writing, I'm sorry, shared reading <laughs> time. How can we have students write after orally practice that and then write after that to like you mentioned earlier get that twofer could they Mm -hmm. could they could we see what they know could we check their comprehension after that absolutely yeah (laughs) and I'm going to tie this right to principle two sorry I'm jumping Mm -hmm. ahead but please do I mean principle two is sentences are the building blocks of all writing right so even if in k2 that is all you are focusing on at first right until they get that down that's okay, right? That mm-hmm. sentences are so, so important. So if you are just having them write a sentence when they're just learning, wonderful. Yeah, <laughs> right? I'm going to validate you by quoting from the text. <laughs> In many schools, the quantity of writing has long been valued over its quality. And then mm-hmm. it goes on to flip that. Quality is so important. If students right. cannot write as the most basic level, which is a sentence, then we start there and we make sure right. that they have quality. I don't need a five page paper from a fifth grader if mm-hmm. the quality is poor. I would take five sentences of really good writing over right. that any day. And I think that's a mindset shift. Yeah. It reminds me of when um, Heidi um, said that because she's a first grade teacher, she was like, if they can leave kindergarten just knowing all their letters, names, and all their letter sounds, I'd be a happy first grade teacher. And that reminds me of like, I never taught third grade, but I would imagine similarly, <laughs> right? Even in sixth grade, I would be if they can come to me writing really good quality sentences, and they can, you know, vary the length of the sentence, and they can make a complex sentence. Like, I would be so happy to teach them like, mm-hmm. great. Now it's now I have a building block to to write paragraphs to write essays, right? It's just Yeah, the quality sure. of that of that is so important. Yeah. And the way that we do that, I think part of that is number three, which is when embedded in the content of the curriculum, writing instruction is a powerful teaching tool. And I'll say that first part again, embedded in the content of the curriculum is the key component there. So that means to me that they're writing about what they're reading about and that what they're reading about is worthy of writing about. And that's right. You know, high quality materials, most definitely we're, we're writing about books. We're writing about art. We're writing about articles. We're writing about big ideas that make us think and then make us use the text to justify what we're thinking. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and it's that's, exciting. I love thinking about it. It's <laughs> like, we talk about this on the podcast a lot of like, this is not a pick it up program. You have to make it work for you, which makes it a little harder as a teacher. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to argue that, right? It, you have to do work to put this into 
to implement it in your classroom. You can't mm-hmm. just pick up this book and, you know, stand up in front of your class tomorrow and say, let's, let's do page 20. It's not going to work. You have to look and see what, what's the, what's the strategy? What's my content that I'm teaching? Whatever content area, even outside of English, all the content areas, what's my content and how can I make it work in my content area? So mm-hmm. it is a little bit harder in that way, but I think so much more meaningful than just a pick it up and do it program. For sure. And I think you're actually also speaking about uh, principle number four. Do you want me to read it? (laughs) Yeah, go for it. The content of the curriculum drives the rigor of writing activities. Yeah. And I love this because it just, you know, when you're thinking of the different, um, we're going to get into those sentence strategies, but when you're writing more complex sentences and, you know, the topic is about why you like ice cream in first grade versus, you know, why did the civil war start in middle school? Mm -hmm. You know, you could be doing the same exact writing strategy, but it's going to be so much harder because of what you're writing about. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I would argue that that first topic probably isn't, um, well, it's not, it's not text-based. I know, but text-based, I know I'm just teasing. (laughs) Just thinking of something for young kids. That's really easy, but you could still do these, you know, I like ice cream because I like ice cream. That could be your really first step. (laughs) I could do that with Elliot now. And he's three. (laughs) You could do that with Elliot now. Yes. Uh, So I think um, when I, you know, when I think about the content in the early grades too, I'm thinking about some of the topics like, uh, you know, sciencey topics, even like nutrition or, um, geography, right? Like there's so many big topics that students could write about that are important and that they need to know about. And I love how you mentioned content because I think that that's important that we're thinking about every teacher is a a reading and a writing teacher. (laughs) I think sometimes we leave that writing part out, but our content teachers are reading and writing teachers too. So this, this book is really beneficial to that. I know. And I really hope that catches on. I'm crossing mm-hmm. my fingers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So let's transition to number five, which is the principle number five. Grammar is best taught in the context of student writing. Yeah. And, and we, oh my gosh, context. Yeah. <laughs> Not we worksheets. Get, <laughs> we get into that a bit in the, in the podcast too. So I won't, I won't harp on it too much, but, um, you know, I think, I think that's traditional. That's how I was taught. You know, we just had grammar time and I often, didn't see necessarily the, you know, I I had to make the connection. And as a young person in school, you don't always make those connections of why you need to learn about, you ask those questions, right? Why are we learning about conjunctions? Like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Conjunction, junction, what's your function? I can remember the song from. (laughs) I know, but did you really know like what it meant and like why it made your writing better? No. And that's the the explicit part, right? That goes back to principle number one, that explicit yeah. instruction in writing. You know, I, again, those songs are catchy and I'm not saying don't do them. They are fun. I remember them 30 <laughs> years later. I was going to say 20. I remember them 30 years later. But <laughs> there also needs to be explicit instruction in why do we need conjunctions and how do they help you write better and communicate more clearly and that I didn't, that I had to explore on my own. And I think you did too. And that's what we want kiddos to understand at an early age so that then they can build on it as they right. go through school. Right. Right. And when you think about like, I mean, I've heard teachers say too, like, oh, there, there's not a lot of grammar in here. And it's like, well, are you looking for a specific like 
10 minutes of grammar time every day because I don't know that that's necessarily the way to go, right? I think it's much better to say, okay, we have this writing, we want to make more complex sentences in it. So we're going to learn about prepositions so that we can add a little more to these sentences. Now we have a purpose for why we're learning about prepositions today, because it makes sense with what we're doing in our writing versus just, well, we do grammar for 10 minutes every day. So mm-hmm. yeah, here's our grammar. It's a, little mind- it's a little bit of a mindset shift. Yeah, for, for sure. Some. Yeah. Oh, and the last, the last principle I think will resonate with everyone. <laughs> I know this is my favorite part of writing. I feel like I do this in the moment <laughs> all the time, <laughs> even in my head while I'm speaking, planning and revising. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the two most important phases are of the writing process are planning and revising. Yeah. And so. this is when we're talking about writing more than a sentence, right? When we get completely. to completely a paragraph and an essay um, and just how important those, those times are. And, you know, I loved that Natalie mentioned that she, she still does these as a professional writer. (laughs) She still does these. Um, And so it's not like something that you just teach students to help them get better at writing. And then one day you don't need it anymore. Like those are tools that will help them forever as a writer. For sure. I mean, even as a speaker, we, I don't think anyone, including us, when we podcast, we have a little outline right now that we're using to help us. We're yeah. planned. We don't get to, to revise, though. We don't get to revise. We get to edit a little bit, but. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I did. You're right. I loved hearing that from Natalie and hearing, oh, as an expert writer who does this for her job, for a yeah. living, and she's clearly excellent at it. She plans obviously revises, but she plans. She doesn't just sit down and expect it to come cohesively out of her fingertips. She really thinks about it and brings in different sources and, and builds on the topic at hand. And that was, I think, really amazing to hear. I would argue that's why she is a good, not why, the only reason why, but one of the reasons why she is a good writer, right? It it helps make her a good writer. 100%. I think we all do have that like mindset of, you know, one day I won't need that scaffold, but it's not just a scaffold. It's actually <laughs> really helpful anytime you're yeah. writing. Well, I feel like too, it's like you just never get to check that box that you're done with that thing. You're right. You're still working on it always. You're right. You know, I think of it like, you know, the U.S. women's team, they don't ever just say, you know what, we're not going to practice kicking today because you're all super great at that already. You know, right. we don't need to prepare for the game by not kicking. We're, of course, we need to prepare by right. doing that. Right thing that helps you get better at what you're doing. (laughs) Yeah. So planning is, I think, like the equivalent of, you know, preparing or yeah, and getting ready to do something and and I love uh, that thinking it through. (laughs) I was just thinking too, like you might not need to plan if you're writing an email, you wouldn't plan if you're just writing an email to, you know, if I'm writing an email to you, Lori, I'm not going to plan it out first, because I'm just going to send it off and write it. And similarly, like they're not going to practice kicking before just like a game with their friends, but they are going to practice it before an important game. <laughs> right. Or, right. You know, so same, similar, right. You're going to practice, you're going to plan your writing when it's something important, when it's something you know, many other people are going to be reading. For sure. Yeah. That's a good point. The purpose matters. All right. right so ready I know to jump in? The, yeah. I'm ready to jump into chapter one. Um, I know that we talked about that sentences are the building blocks and now we're going to give some examples of that. Yeah, these are some of the fun. I think I think these are the fun. This is the best chapter for me because it's like things you can just easily do. Right? Like I could I could read this and figure out how to do this with my students, with my content. 
I could figure this out, like for the next lesson that I'm teaching, I, I could figure out how to do this as a end of end of lesson activity or something to check their understanding. Um, and they're really just simple and easy. And don't feel like you're teaching a whole writing lesson or a grammar lesson, right? But you are teaching them so much. So the first one that I picked out was about the, the fragments, scrambled sentences and run ons. Mm hmm. You want to tell us about those? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's three different ones, so we'll see where how much <laughs> we get into them. Um, but what I love about the way they go about it is, you know, I, the way I was taught was like, this is what a fragment is. Now here's a worksheet of 10 sentences. Some are fragments, some are not. Identify which ones aren't, uh, you know. Right, fix the circle ones the fragments. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, okay. Um, but what they do is like, okay, what, you know, whatever your content is, give them a fragment. Right. And then have them finish it. Like have them make mm -hmm. it into a sentence. You know, so if, you know, if you're, um, oh gosh, I can't think of any content at the moment. <laughs> uh, I just blanked on okay. any so content possible. I can give an example because I'm, I'm on uh, page 27 okay, of the book. Great, if anybody's great. following along with their book. Um, also, I want to make a quick side note before we give an example. When it says, when it's talking about fragments, it says, start with speaking. Have students practice orally. Right, that's what I was saying. Like this could easily mm -hmm. be done in younger grades, especially, but even in older grades, if they still need work with this. Correct. So the fragment, now I'm on page 28, <laughs> the fragment could be settled near rivers. And then your students could draw on the content that they've learned and turn it into a sentence and I'm just picturing small groups of students. Like I'm imagining this up on the board as a teacher and I'm sharing this. Oh, we're going to have this, this challenge. We're going to have a fragment of a sentence and you are going to think about what you've learned. You can use your notebook. You can use, you know, a book or whatever you, you need. And your group, your team of three is going to turn this fragment into a sentence and you have X number of six minutes, whatever. Mm -hmm. And... <laughs> Then they would turn it into a sentence. And the example in the book is early Americans settled near rivers. But right. I think it'd be so powerful to hear also what the other kids in the class came up with and sharing that right. out. And this is something that they could do speaking. They don't necessarily need because I'm, a, you know, I imagine if they're little, they, they might have drawings yeah. in there and, and, you know, different variation, varying uh, levels mm -hmm. of sentences in their little notebooks. And yeah. <laughs> but you could see how that, them. you know, maybe they learned about a specific person that settled mm -hmm. near, near a river, right? And maybe that becomes their, the first part of their sentence. And, mm -hmm. and, uh, but notice that like that, like we're not asking everybody to now go out and use settled near rivers. <laughs> because if they don't have the content, if you didn't learn about that in your class, that is not the example, you know, that's not what to use, right? It, ne no. it <laughs> needs to be connected to what they learned about in your classroom. And I think that's really important. You know, you yes. can't just pull anything out of the sky and just say, okay, you know, whatever, you know. Yeah, is, it needs to be connected to the content that they're reading about and that they have knowledge on. And I'll even go further and say accurate knowledge that they have built over a little bit of time. We need to ask them to write about something when they have enough knowledge to write about it. And yeah. that might and I, be a I little longer than like, we think. On page 30, there's an example from math, right? So, you know, starting out with, here's a fragment, rational numbers. 
leave it open. What can they say about rational numbers? You mm-hmm. had to have taught them something about it, right? Or else you're not going to get any responses. But if you have just done a unit on rational numbers, like how how exciting would that be to just like, what are they going to say? And that's where you get to like, check their comprehension. <laughs> I was going to say two for opportunity. <laughs> right? Yeah, you get to check. But also you're teaching them how to write this full sentence, right? By what's the rest of that sentence? Yeah, for sure. I love that. Um. Do you want to move on to the four sentence types, Melissa? Yeah. And we don't need to take a long time there. We can just, I know one of the the next steps is like, okay, let's, let's make this a little more interesting. Um, let's teach them the different sentence types. So declarative, imperative, interrogative, which I always say wrong, exclamatory. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just have them practice using different kinds, right? So now that they can write a full sentence, they know a predicate and a subject, right? They know that it has to have two parts. Now can we play a little bit with having different types of sentences. Yeah. And this is different from, I think how I learned it because I learned not like I learned what they were, but then I never had the opportunity to practice within the content of what I was learning about. Again, it was a worksheet or it was a side situation. It was not, you know, Oh, you're reading, uh, love that dog. And now you're going to practice. Right. Actually, that might not be a good example because that's poetry. (laughs) (laughs) You're reading the circulatory story and now you're going to practice writing your own sentences about what you've learned. And that connectedness is, I think, the missing piece sometimes when we think about writing. So we, we want it to be practice that is embedded in the content of what they're learning. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And then I'm going to push us to the most fun one before we run out of time. Love this one. (laughs) Which is, um, I mean, first starts with conjunctions. But again, like there's several that basically you're adding on, right? How can you take this somewhat basic sentence you have, a subject or predicate? Maybe it's a different kind, but how can you make it more complex, right? And this is where where I got lost in school with like the different type, you know, like different types of sentences and. I didn't do diagramming sentences, thank goodness. But I can just, this is where people are like, I don't know what we're doing here. But the way they do it is just like, let's just add on a little bit, right? We want to make it more interesting. We want to give people a little more information. So how can we add a little on? So it doesn't feel daunting to kids, right? We're just adding a little bit. And the best of the examples of this is because, but, so, which is teaching conjunctions Mm -hmm. in a really simple way. Um, And the way they do it, I love is by giving the same sentence stem for each one, right? So you, mm-hmm. you know, instead of like come up with a sentence that uses each one, they give a sentence stem that starts out with Abraham Lincoln was a great president because, and then Abraham Lincoln was a great president, but, and Abraham Lincoln was a great president. So, and just like thinking about like what, like the content knowledge that, you need to have to make those different sentences, I just think is a really cool and powerful tool. For sure. And I think kids love it because, I mean, from what I've seen, you know, and also what I experienced, kids love this one in particular because it's, it is so simple it's like to put into practice. It's like a challenge too. And it's a quick win. Yeah. Yeah. When like, we think about it, cool it's challenge. a challenge, but it's a quick win. And they, because when you 
give them the stem, you're not asking them to create the beginning part. You're doing that for them. So you're taking that cognitive load off them. So they can now think about, oh, okay, I have this, I have this, this sentence that I just, I want to make even stronger. And they can use that as the building block for the, it's not, to continue on with their thinking and right. really give the complexity some thought rather than be working on them writing Abraham Lincoln was a great president, you know, right. and I, I love that it takes that cognitive load off them. Yeah. It puts the cognitive load on the complexity and it helps them go even further in their writing rather quickly. Right. And you can see once like that becomes something that, you know, they, they do a lot that, you know, then it becomes part probably what they're thinking when they're writing, right? When they're writing a short sentence, like Abraham Lincoln was a great president, they might think, okay, how can I add on to this? Mm-hmm. And they have three options right there, right? Is this a because, a but, or a so? Like, which one do I want to add? Um, they have a tool to to expand their sentence, and it's easy. Mm-hmm. And it's exactly. not like... Oh, Miss Appington made me memorize a list of conjunctions and now I'm going to try and use one. Right. But it's really meaningful. (laughs) Yeah. Much more fun too. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And in the podcast, we also talk about other ways to build complexity and that those other ways are a positives. Um, If you're thinking what's in a positive and a positive is a second noun or a phrase or clause equivalent to our noun that is placed besides another noun to explain it more fully. So I'm going to give an example. New York City, comma, the largest city in the United States, comma, is a major tourist attraction. And in that sentence, the appositive is the largest city in the United States. So those little appositives, like little clauses, help us to understand the original noun better, but they also make our writing richer. And so we explicitly teach those. Yep. You want to share the next one? Yeah, well, um, they also do... Oh, do you have something do, to say about a positive? <laughs> Go ahead. No, I don't have something to say about a positive. <laughs> but they also do subordinating conjunctions. So they do learn more conjunctions besides just because, but, and so, just oh, in okay. a different way yes. at a different time. Um, and then at the end of this chapter, they talk about combining the different things that they learned to be able to combine sentences, right? So that's a, a tool that you practice with. Like you give them a few sentences and then practice how to combine them using one of those tools, right? You can use because the butter or so. You can use in a positive. You can use a subordinating conjunction. How can you combine them? So then that becomes a tool they can use in their own writing when they have a lot of short sentences. That's a great point. Bringing it together with that sentence combining is like the kind of the culmination here of the complexity. How, you know, how are yeah. you going to to make this a richer sentence? Yeah. Exactly. And I just love that, like the whole vision of this whole thing is like, how do I make my writing more interesting? Right? How do I make this something that a reader really wants to read? And so it's not just a grammar lesson, right? It is improving writing and constantly improving writing. Yeah. Well, I'm excited for everyone to listen (laughs) to our authors in our conversation. It was so important, so impactful. And just really exciting that we had the opportunity to talk to both Judith and Natalie together. So we really got the Hawkman method from Judith. And then we (laughs) heard that strong knowledge push from Natalie and it, they're just a firecracker team. So yeah, love that. Before we go, we should be very clear. You said it at the beginning, but I'm going to say it again, that that was just chapter one. 
that we talked about. Right? Introduction and, rest, and chapter one. Introduction and chapter one, but that the rest of the book still has a lot of work on many other things beyond a sentence, right? The sentence is the building block. And then it goes into planning and outlining and revising a draft and how to get great, great arguments, right? So it goes a lot, a lot deeper than that. We just focused in on that first one today. <laughs> Yes. Thank you for reiterating. So make sure. <laughs> Grab the book and read it ASAP. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. All Aww. right. Well, thank you so much Thanks for everybody. having this important conversation, Melissa. I know that uh, everyone benefited from hearing a little bit about the writing revolution. Yeah, absolutely. Enjoy yeah. the podcast. Yep. Thanks for listening, Literacy Lovers. We release a new podcast episode every Friday and share more resources in a newsletter on Tuesday. Sign up for our newsletter at literacypodcast.com. Each week, you'll receive important information, resources, and connected content. We're excited to create a space for community discussion about our podcast. We want to connect with our listeners and support you in answering your questions. But we also realize there are a lot of other educators out there who have great advice and experience, too. Let's keep learning together in our Melissa and Lori Love Literacy podcast Facebook group. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter. If the content in this episode helped you, share with a fellow educator and teacher friend. Our Literacy Lover community welcomes educators at every stage of their learning journey. We're so glad you're here to learn with us. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts and guests of the Melissa and Lori Love Literacy Podcast in this episode are not necessarily the opinions of Grey Minds PBC or its employees.